Well, good morning. If you could turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy, we'll be back there again this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll be up for the next number of weeks, another three weeks after this till the end of October, and we'll be going through 2 Timothy chapter 1 and breaking into the first part of chapter 2. They kind of all fit together. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I'll start reading from verse 1, um, and I'm reading from the ESV translation. 2 Timothy chapter 1, reading from verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and, have co- and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have learned from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Now we'll be coming in at verse 7 this morning. We looked at the first couple verses last week, specifically in verse 6. But we'll come in at verse 7. Now verse 7 of 2 Timothy permeates through the entire book of 2 Timothy. The idea that God did not give us a spirit of fear. He did not give us a spirit of fear. That word means timidity, and it's connected directly to verse 8. Speaking of being unashamed. Unashamed of the testimony about our Lord. The idea is that we do not need to be ashamed of Christ in any context that we find ourselves in because we have been given a spirit of power, spirit of love, a spirit of self-control. We've been given all the necessary tools to stand unashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And here's the weight of that statement carried through 2 Timothy 
Because this flame or the stirring up of your gift that we've looked at, that we talked about last week, can be smothered by seemingly innocent distractions in this world. We can kind of get caught up with life in general and not stir up the gift that is within us, not fan into flame the gift that is in us. And I want us to see how central this idea is to the entire book of 2 Timothy as Paul would write to Timothy. It's at the heart of Paul's message to Timothy and by extension, you as well, all of us here. And I'll just go through and list them. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Anesiphorus was not ashamed of my chains. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, he says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 2, verse 9, I am suffering for the gospel, bound with chains as a criminal. 2 Timothy 2, verse 10, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. 2 Timothy 2, verse 12, If we endure, we will also reign with him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Do your best to present yourself a worker who has no need to be ashamed. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, And the Lord's servant must patiently endure evil. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, In the last days there will come times of difficulty. In 2 Timothy 3.10, you have followed my persecutions and sufferings. 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 4.5, as for you, endure suffering. 2 Timothy 4.6, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. 2 Timothy 4, 16, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. We can see permeating through 2 Timothy this idea of enduring. This idea of enduring. That we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power of love, of self-control, that we have no need to be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And Paul beats this into this message in 2 Timothy. He says, you will endure persecution. You will endure suffering. You will go through all of that. That's a guarantee for the Christian, for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to happen no matter what. He says, we've been given the tools necessary in order to not be ashamed in those circumstances, in those events that might take place. And it's been my prayer leading up to this series that God would take away the spirit of fear that we put on ourselves and ignite within us the power, the courage to speak and suffer for Christ. That he would plant in us just this burning desire to serve him unashamedly for the sake of his name for the sake of his honor, as we live our lives here in this world. Paul begins by instructing Timothy to stir up that gift that is in him, or to fan into flame the gift of God. And if you initially read it, in verse 6, Paul simply states for Timothy to do that. He says, go fan into flame the gift of God. And he could have ended there, but he doesn't. He gives instruction. 
and direction for how we go about doing that. Paul breaks in at verse 7 to lay the foundation for how we go about stirring up the gift that is already in us. That is already in us. Now I want to make one thing clear. Oftentimes verse 7 is kind of pulled out of context and we kind of pull that one verse out and kind of apply it to situations or circumstances that we might be facing in life. Kind of pluck this one verse out and say, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And we kind of apply that to certain circumstances in our life. But the context of where it lies in Scripture is directly connected to our service for Christ. That's the context of what this verse is. It applies to the spiritual realm and service, not merely the physical And a basic pattern in Scripture is that a focus on God and going about His work will lead to the solving of many issues you might be facing in this life. That is to pursue Christ, to pursue God, to look heavenward, to set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And then the circumstances and what you might be dealing with end up getting solved and guided along the way. Now, that's not to say that this section and the ideas that come out of it can't be applied to circumstances you might be dealing with. But our focus for this study will take place in the context within service to God. It's a very Christ-centered section, this passage of 2 Timothy. Now, we'll come into verse 7. Verse 7 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, and love and self-control, but of power. We want to look at these three different words. So he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us a spirit of timidity. Anything that we might be feeling in that realm is not God-given. That's us. That's our flesh imposing that on ourselves, of shackling ourselves. We need to deal with that, but instead, God has given us a spirit of power. What does that word mean? It means miraculous power. It means might, and it means the ability to perform. The ability to perform is perhaps one of the the easier ways to understand this word. The ability to perform, the power to perform the work of God, or the work that God has called us to. Going further, this word means a power residing in a thing by virtue of its very nature. A power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Now, the new nature that we have been given by the Holy Spirit contains this power. And so, in other words, it is inseparable from the Christian. It is inseparable from the Christian because the Holy Spirit indwells those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, very well-known verse. And again, another one that, that kind of gets pulled out of its context But Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. It's the same word used in both passages. Same word. The power at work within us is the Holy Spirit in that context. And it's the same power that actually raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power that's at work within us. That's the power that is available to us now. Not something we have to go out and obtain, not something we have to wait for, but something that is in the believer right now. 
and the extent of that power is limitless in its ability to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. He can do far more abundantly than whatever we could even imagine or think. It's limitless in its power and it's available to us now. Not something we have to wait for eternity. Not something we have to wait until we get to a certain point in life in order to access, but something, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, his power indwells you because the Holy Spirit indwells us. And the miraculous thing is that there is no Christian in the world that does not have this power. Again, we have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit according to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. The power that resides inside of us, that is God-given, God-breathed. The second word of those is love. So God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power, and he gave us a spirit of love. This love is the sacrificial love that was displayed at the cross. The word, the Greek word there is agape, is a sacrificial love. It is a love directly attached to the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. That he loved us, he sacrificially gave himself for us. He took our place on the cross. That's the love that has been given to us. A love that is also associated with receiving the Holy Spirit as a Christian. A love that only a Christian can truly understand and even then is something far greater than we can comprehend as stated in Ephesians 3. It is the love that John says, very interestingly, casts out fear. Let's turn to that, I think. First John. First uh, John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 16. First John chapter 4, verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we, have make, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. But verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. I think it's fascinating the connection between 1 John and 2 Timothy. Scripture is perfectly aligned in every single way. We haven't been given a spirit of fear, but we have been given a spirit of love. And any ounce of fear that might still be residing in us as we serve God will be cast out by a sacrificial love. We go about loving one another sacrificially. That perfect love casts out fear. Right? There's no room for fear if we are truly living out this love that we read of in Scripture, the sacrificial love, a love of choice, a love of God and a love of people. It's very simple. What I love controls what I do. It controls my actions. What I love controls my actions. If I love God, 
then I have no fear in serving him. If, if I lose my life or suffer, then I lose my life or suffer for the one I love. This is what Paul is driving at in this passage of 2 Timothy. If I lose my life or if I suffer, then I have lost my life or I have suffered for the one whom I love. Now, I'm married, and I would do anything. I would give my life for my wife, for my spouse. Uh, the first time that I told Ash uh, that I loved her was when I got to the realization that I would give my life for her. Right? For those of you who have kids, I imagine you might do anything for your children. That if they're in, in a dangerous circumstance, you would just ignore any kind of, you would ignore your safety to look after them and to run to them and help them out. That's the idea here. That love drives us. That I am willing to suffer. I am willing to die for the one that I love, the Lord Jesus Christ. This perfect love that is spoken of. But if instead I love myself and I do everything I can to preserve my own comfort, my own success, my reputation, my name, and I live to satisfy myself, then I will not sacrifice for God or anyone else because I'll be looking out for myself. I will sacrifice what God wants for what I want. And so this perfect love that Paul speaks about is a love that we experience as we walk in the Spirit. And it's a fruit of the Spirit after all. So we must walk in the Spirit. We must lose ourselves, give ourselves up, and allow the Spirit to lead as this love pours out of the service as we serve our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's not given us a spirit of fear, of timidity, of being scared, of being ashamed, but he's given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love. And finally, he's given us a spirit of self-control or sound mind, as it might be in other translations. He's given us a spirit of self-control or of a sound mind. Now, the Greek word for self-control here is a word that only occurs once in the New Testament. It only occurs in this passage. And so we, there's not a vast number of cross-references that you can use for this specific word. There's not a ton of examples that we can pull from. But from the context within the passage, as we go through it, it means discipline. Discipline. It is discipline in the sense of not wasting time. That's what this word is referring to. Discipline in the sense of not wasting time. To prioritize spending work for advancing the kingdom of God as opposed to my own interests. That's the idea here. That's the context of this passage. To prioritize work for the kingdom. To prioritize work for God as opposed to my own interests. Things that benefit myself. To work for God and to prioritize those over anything else. To not beat the air as Paul would put it in 1 Corinthians 9. Let's actually turn there. 1 Corinthians. I think it's just a wonderful passage and a good reminder uh, for us. But 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll read from verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? 
but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control. Now that word uh, in the King James is temperate. That word actually refers to self-control specifically in diet. So it's not the same word um, that's used in 2 Timothy. There's another word that's connected to 2 Timothy. But every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That's always a scary one to read. I do not box as one beating the air. I don't run aimlessly, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. I discipline my body and keep it under control. I don't run aimlessly, right? I don't beat the air. I'm not doing things that don't matter. I'm landing punches is the context there. Self-control. It's given us a spirit of self-control to not beat the air, but instead prioritize our lives, our schedules for God, for his sake, not for our own interests. I mean, it's easy to kind of fall into the rut and it's easy to do things that please yourself that kind of fall in line with our our own interests our our own pursuits and those might not be evil in of themselves they might be perfectly fine but what paul is telling timothy here is i want you to prioritize the work of god ahead of anything else i want you to serve him first and foremost i want you to serve his kingdom his name before you get to the list of things that you want to do. I want you to prioritize his work above your own. And I mean, you might be sitting there thinking, well, I wish I was like that. I wish I had that in my life. And as I was going through and studying, um, it just kind of hit me. You know, you read through in, in 1 Corinthians 9 of you know, I discipline my body, I, I, I run the race, I do everything for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can look at Paul's life. And Paul suffered greatly. We looked at that last week, all the things that he endured, all the things that he suffered and went through for the sake of Christ. And reflecting on my own life and saying the times that I've kind of shied away, the times that I've been timid, the times that I've had a spirit of fear, given by myself to myself, You know, I wish that was in my life. I wish that was in my life. But according to Scripture, it's there if you want to use it. He has given us these. It's past tense. He's already given these. These have been provided. A spirit of love, a spirit of self-discipline, a spirit of power. Those dwell within us for the Holy Spirit dwells within us. All we have to do is but tap into that to experience those We have been given power to do the task. We have been given love to fix our eyes on the people who the task is for, both God and man, and discipline to bring every facet of our life together to accomplish that task. We have all the tools necessary to go about God's work. We but just need to use them and engage them. Paul tells Timothy, just consider the resources at your disposal. Just consider everything that you have. 
You have power, you have love, you have self-control. So refresh and renew your spiritual gift and get on with it. Just serve the Lord. Just get doing the work. Don't sit there and try and plan to do the work. Just go out and do the work. Fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. Just go about the work of the Lord. Now what is the source of all of this? Right? Paul doesn't, again, he doesn't just say fan into flame or stir up the gift and leave it there. And he says, okay, I'm going to take it a step further. Here's the resources available to you. And then he goes even further and he says, this is the source of all of these resources. What's the source? How do we accomplish these in our lives? Well, verse 8 comes along in 2 Timothy 1 and beautifully ties it all together for us. Stirring up the gift, engaging with what we have been given results in us not being ashamed. And all of this, as it says in verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel. And how is all of this done? By the power of God. By the power of God. All of the previous verses flow into this one verse. We're going to see a slight change uh, in verse 9 as we look at that next week. But all of the previous verses flow into verse 8 of 2 Timothy 1. Verse 8 wraps up the initial thought and direction that Paul gives to Timothy. The courage to speak and suffer for Christ is sustained by the power of God. You have been given a spirit of power, love, and self-control. How does Timothy continually feed that flame or fan into flame or stir up the gift? How does he live his life unashamed? It's by God's power. It's by God's power. Thank goodness it doesn't all rest on us. Because we would mess it up, don't we? And, and we do. But all of this is sustained by God's power. Let's quickly look at chapter 2. In verse 1, what does it say there? It says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The power that sustains us is by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's a flow that Paul keeps coming to. Paul writes in a very interesting way. He kind of makes a statement, then he sort of meanders a little ways, and then he comes back to that statement, and then meanders, and then comes back to that statement. That's what's happening here. There's a certain flow to the way Paul is writing. And we're going to pull all of this together in a minute. But be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The power that sustains us is by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We can trace the stirring up or the fanning into flame of the gift to the power of God in verse 8, which directly connects to the grace of God in 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. Be strengthened, that is, built up, having courage, feed the flame by the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. Well, how do we tap into that grace? Well, it's very, I mentioned it last week, but how does this chapter start? Verse 2 of chapter 1 says, To Timothy, my beloved child, written in such a loving way, To Timothy, my beloved child, what does he say? Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now again, I mentioned it last week, but every single letter of Paul's begins with a similar message, essentially grace to you. Grace to you. Every single one, without fail. Grace to you. And every single letter of Paul's ends with the statement or a similar statement, grace be with you. 
We see that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 22. Paul just states that. He says, grace with you. Grace with you. Why is it that Paul writes this way? Grace to you, and then he exits a letter and ends a letter with grace be with you. Grace to you, and then grace be with you. You see, Paul believes that God's grace is being shown to the readers by the words of truth in each letter. And as a letter ends, he knows that the readers will have to go back into the world and face the realities that lie there. Anxiety, stress, physical issues, mental issues, whatever it might be, whatever might be going on in life, Paul knows that once they're done reading the word of God, they have to return back to that world. And so he prays that this grace that they have received through the word of God will go with them. And they will carry it beyond just merely reading it. As they, as they read scripture, as they read the letters that he has written by the Holy Spirit, by inspiration by the Holy Spirit, it is the word of God, this is Christ. As they read it, they receive the grace of God. And he prays, his prayer is that when they are done and they go back to life, that they would take that with them and carry that forward in their lives. Now let's follow the entire thought. Paul instructs Timothy to fan into flame or stir up the gift that is in him. This is done by using the tools given to us in verse 7. Those tools are a direct result of the power of God in verse 8. You are empowered and receive the fullness of that power by the grace of God in verse 1 of chapter 2. And you receive this grace through the word of God. That's the flow. I'm just going to mention that again. Paul instructs Timothy to fan into flame or stir up the gift that is in him, verse 6. This is done by using the tools given to us in verse 7. That's a spirit of power, of love, of self-control. And those tools are a direct result of the power of God in verse 8. And you are empowered or strengthened and receive the fullness of that power by the grace of God in verse 1 of chapter 2. You receive this grace through the word of God. The word of, that's our ultimate tool. It's the word of God. See, it, it's so Christ-centered, the, the message that Paul gives us here in this passage. It's easy to kind of look at sort of these things and say, and here's a shopping list of all the things that I need to do. And to turn the focus of this passage on me. But Paul drives it home and he says all of this is by the word of God. That's the source of it all. And that's the source that we need to tap into. The answer to feeding that flame and stirring up that gift to suffer and preach Christ is to start preaching to yourself the truths from Scripture. God has ordained that His grace comes to you with power through God's given word. We need to get into God's word and not let this book sit idly on our shelf. A recent study on Bible literacy amongst evangelical churches said that 49 Roughly 49%, and I think it was a plus-minus of 5 or 6%. But it's said that about 49% of Christians have read more than a couple passages of Scripture. 
about 17% have not read anything in the Bible on their own. Listen to messages, but this is on their own time. 49% of Christians have read more than a couple passages of Scripture. Of that 49%, roughly 50% read on a regular basis, so roughly 25% of churchgoers. Of that, only 50% read roughly once per day. The average time spent reading Scripture? Five minutes. We will not have the courage to preach Christ unashamedly if we don't even know who he is. We will not have the courage to preach Christ unashamedly if we don't know who he is. We as Christ followers must lean on and read God's word. We must. And Paul in this passage of 2 Timothy is encouraging just that. Read what I'm saying. Read the word of God. That's how you can stir up the gift. That's how you can go about the work of the Lord. We must draw from it God's grace, thereby giving us the power necessary to fan into flame the gift of God. Your responsibility in this assembly is to first spend time with God. Understand his heart. Lean on him and look to him for guidance on how to serve. And then serve. And then serve. And serve in this place, renewing, stirring up the spiritual gifts that have already been given to you. Each believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have put their faith and trust in him, those who have proclaimed Christ as Lord, have a spiritual gift. And we have been given power, love, and self-control. The Holy Spirit indwells us, each and every one of us who have put our faith and trust in him. And so we are to serve, we are to renew, to stir up those spiritual gifts within us and to go about God's work for the building up of the church. Where do those powers come from? They come from God born out of a love for him and a desire to serve him in everything we do. They come from looking to him, the author and finisher of our faith. They come from us looking heavenward to setting our mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you by looking unto Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we could open up your word. And what an encouragement it is to us. We thank you that Paul didn't just state, stir up the gift in you and leave it at that, but he gave us instruction. Lord, might we realize that we have been given power, we have been given love, we have been given self-control, we have been given discipline. We have been given all the tools necessary to go about work and serving you. We pray that each one of us here, that you would just light a fire within each of us that we might have a desire to serve you, to just push aside the fear that we place on ourselves, to push aside our own ambitions, our own self-preservation, and instead pursue a, a life lived for Christ, a life that might involve us sacrificing all kinds of things. But Father, might we fall deeper and deeper in love with the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day so that as we suffer loss, that we might count it as gain. That as we suffer persecution, that we might realize that we are suffering persecution for the one whom we love. 
the one whom we will see in eternity to come. Might we serve him now while we are still given the breath and the time on this earth. Might we not waste our lives, but might we just surrender all to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the one who gave himself, who surrendered his all for us. Father, lead us as we leave this place. Might the grace of God go with each and every one here. Might we go out into the world and faithfully serve. Might we get into the word of God, the, the scriptures that we have in our own translation. Might we get into the word and just love you richer, fuller, deeper than ever before. We pray for this coming week. Lead us and guide us that we might honor you throughout the entire week. We just lift this time up to you, giving thanks in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.